The Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge just got a major boost on Capitol Hill yesterday. You may recall a month or so ago, I mentioned on this show that I would not vote for any candidate for federal office in November that did not vote to subpoena Dr. Fauci and to take away his salary. A congressional candidate in North Carolina, Bo Hines, took my off-the-cuff remark and wrote it up as a formal pledge, at which point dozens of congressional candidates and sitting members signed it. Then, a couple weeks ago, Arizona Congressman Paul Gosar entered my pledge almost verbatim as a formal House resolution, meaning that sitting members of Congress could now sign on to co-sponsor the bill. At this point, Dr. Fauci basically evaporated into thin air. That once ubiquitous face, that folksy little voice, that pompous scientific smirk that had dominated every media platform for two years, just gone overnight. The political winds had clearly shifted against Fauci and he went into hiding. The only thing that was lacking was support in the Senate, which we now have thanks to Senator Rand Paul. Senator Paul has actually gone even further than my pledge called for. He has proposed an amendment that would not only investigate Fauci and stop paying his salary, but would abolish his position altogether. The Paul Amendment would reorganize Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases into three separate research institutes, each with its own director, removing entirely the ability of one power-hungry bureaucrat to amass the kind of unprecedented power that Fauci took for himself during the COVID lockdowns. This is excellent news. We need to push this over the finish line. Do not let the liberals fool you into thinking that they are done exercising the unprecedented power that they took during COVID. Do not let them fool you into thinking that they are done with COVID, period. They have calmed down now because it's an election year and the COVID policies are destroying them at the polls. But they've kept the TSA mask mandate. They've kept Biden's national emergency declaration. They've kept the same infrastructure in place to whip it all back up again the minute the midterms are behind them. Do not let them do it. As we reach the official two-year mark of 15 days to slow the spread that's happening tomorrow, call your congressman, call your senator, and have them do everything they can to restore our way of life and make sure that that little power-mad twerp and his technocrat buddies never get the chance to shut your country down again. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Sakuraba86, who says, I kind of miss Fauci because I absolutely miss Fauci's voice. You're not going to miss him for long because they're going to bring him back the minute that it is politically convenient for them to do so, which will be after the midterm elections. That will happen. Do not think that Fauci is over. Even though Fauci is a thousand years old, Fauci, or if by some chance he does retire, let's say the Republicans win the House and Fauci retires, because the Republicans are going to act on the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge. If he retires, there's just going to be another Fauci. The issue is structural. He's a specifically and particularly bad dude, but there's a structural issue too, and they're going to bring it back. They're already setting the stage to bring it back. Do not let them do it. We need to act for ourselves, okay? If we want to protect our country, we need to act for ourselves. If we want to fix our cars, we need to act for ourselves, which is why I would recommend you check out rockauto.com. Right now, head on over to rockauto.com and write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. You've got to go over there because your time is valuable. Your money is valuable. You shouldn't be wasting them driving to the brick and mortar auto parts store. It's going to take you 15 minutes at least to drive to. You're going to go in. They're going to get pepper you with questions. What make, what year, what model, what this, what that. They're going to go in the back. They're not going to have the part. There's too many parts to stock these days. And so they say, we're going to have to order the part. Okay, we'll let you know when it's in. It's going to take what? Four days, five days with this supply chain, probably two weeks. You drive back. That's another 15 minutes. You drive back to the store. It's another 15 minutes. You go and you, but don't do it. Oh, and then by the way, you have the privilege of paying 30 
40, 100% more sometimes for these parts. You can go to rockauto.com. They've got every part you need for your car or truck. No gimmicks, same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Super easy to navigate website. Head on over, go to rockauto.com right now. Check out all those parts available that you'll need for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S in their How Did You Hear About Us box and tell them that we sent you. I'm not the only one who is predicting that Fauci's coming back. I'm not the only one who is predicting that the COVID lockdown biomedical security state is coming back. Do you know who else is predicting it? America's governor, the governor of the, the freest state probably in America, Ron DeSantis. They want people to act like, okay, you know, we're just gonna, you know, we, we're moving on. The minute those elections are over, they will impose mandates if they, if they feel the need yeah. to do that. They will impose restrictions. And so that will happen if those types of people are allowed to put in, be put in power. And so, you know, my, my view on that is they've put Fauci in the witness protection program because they don't want, because he will say, you know, no, you still should wear masks, this, and he's never going to say, be normal, go back to normal. And so they know that, and they know that that's not what people want. People want to be able to make decisions for themselves, and there's nothing wrong if on an individual basis you make a certain calculation. That's fine. We encourage you to to do that, Uh, but it's wrong to mandate people and restrict people. And that will happen, I guarantee you, winter of 2022, any of those folks that are there, you are gonna see that happen. The only way to make sure it doesn't happen is to have a nice big red wave. So we'll see. I was so glad to hear DeSantis say this because I have been yelling about this for months now, even as COVID, as they start to get rid of some of the mask mandates, they loosen up a little bit on the vaccine mandates. They put, as DeSantis says, Fauci into witness protection. I said, guys, it's a trick. It's a trap. I sound like Admiral Ackbar. Don't let them get away with it. They shut your country down for two years. Now they're seeing the consequences of that reflected in their polls. And they're trying to do a Jedi mind trick. I don't know why there are all these Star Wars metaphors here. They're trying to use a mind trick to, to make you forget about all that and not hate them so much when you go to the ballot box in November, but they're not done with it. They're leaving all of the infrastructure in place to exercise this kind of power again. And then you've got Ron DeSantis, who is one of the shrewdest politicians on the right in the entire country right now. And he's saying the exact same thing. He's saying, don't let them get away with it. They're, they are going to bring this guy back. They're going to bring the whole damn thing back because it's very helpful to them, particularly when they're not in an election year. When Biden first entered office. He was underwater. He had, he had a little bit of a bump, as new presidents do. And then he was very quickly underwater on every issue because his policies are disastrous. So he was underwater on the economy. He was underwater, obviously, on foreign affairs after the debacle in Afghanistan. He was underwater on immigration. He was underwater on a lot of the social issues. The one issue that he was still above, above water on in terms of the polls was COVID because people just didn't know and they trusted the experts and we'd all been hypnotized for two years. Finally, he was underwater even on COVID because people saw the consequences of these policies. It turns out you can't just shut down the whole economy and then pay people to sit around and do nothing. That's not going to work. You know what that's going to lead to? Massive inflation. So people start to see that massive inflation. They say, wait a second, this wasn't a very good idea. They see their favorite businesses closing, some of which perhaps they owned or worked at. They say, hmm, maybe this wasn't a great idea. They see the effect on their kids' education. These kids now are not proficient in reading. They're not proficient in math. They don't know a damn thing. Not that they were getting a great education in the public schools before COVID, but after COVID, it was even worse. So the parents are looking at this, just saying, wait, this is a really, this is bad. This is a really, really bad idea. They look at the studies on the efficacy of masks. They say, why the hell did we even wear these masks? They look at the efficacy of vaccines. They see studies on the, the, uh, not of the vaccines, of the lockdowns. And they say, why did we even do these lockdowns? And then, yes, they look at the efficacy of the vaccines. They say, you told me that the vaccines were 100% safe, 100% effective. Now you're telling me for certain groups, maybe it's not totally safe. Maybe we shouldn't recommend it for certain age groups. Maybe there are going to be some side effects like myocarditis or like uh, a nerve damage or like blood clots. Or, you know, it's rare, but it does happen. And oh, and they're not totally the 100% effective. You need a third shot. You need a fourth shot. You need a fifth shot, for goodness sakes. And they look and they say, what have you people done to our country for two years? And then Fauci goes into hiding. And then the Democrats stop talking about it. And they say, oh, go look at Ukraine. Oh, hey, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. 
You're going to see a lot more of that distraction coming up until November. Do not let them get away with it. They have learned nothing. <laughs> they've learned nothing other than power grabs work. Okay, that's what they've learned. And they're going to go right back to that. And DeSantis is completely right. And Rand Paul is completely right. And I'm completely right. <laughs> so do not let them get away with it. They're bringing this thing back. We have got a lot of wind in our sails as conservatives looking forward to November. Okay, not just on the COVID issue, but on everything. Every single issue makes the Democrats look terrible and makes the Republicans look at least relatively good because we're not the Democrats, okay? And nowhere is this truer. Obviously, you see it on the economy. You see it on gas. You see it on the prices of goods at the grocery store. But this is true even on the social issues. This is true even on the allegedly controversial social sexual issues. In Florida, back in Florida, back with Ron DeSantis, there is a controversial law, according to the mainstream media. It's the don't say gay law, according to the mainstream media. Except in reality, it's not controversial at all. And it's the parental rights and education bill. And we now have an exclusive poll here at the Daily Wire, just taking people's temperature on this law. And this poll probably oversamples Democrats, by the way, because we're using the breakdown from the official count of the 2020 election, you know, the winningest election ever for Democrats. They got 70 bazillion votes or whatever they say. So we, we certainly gave a healthy sample of Democrats in this poll. And it shows that nearly two thirds of Americans support the Florida education law, the law they're calling the don't say gay law, which is such a ridiculous moniker. The, the, the bill, the law rather, doesn't say gay anywhere. And it just gives parents rights to make sure that their six-year-olds aren't being indoctrinated in transgenderism. But nearly two-thirds of Americans support this law. Survey sample was 1,000 people, 37% Democrats, 32% Republicans, 31% independent in this survey. The law, the parental rights and education law, is backed by 69% of Republicans, 62% of Democrats, and 57% of independents. It's supported by 63% of whites, 66% of blacks, 62% of Latinos. Extraordinarily popular. The, even this, this most radical social issue, is a huge winner for conservatives. Do not back down now. We have got all the wind at our sails. Push forward for what is right and just and what so happens to be popular as well. When you want to get responses from people, okay, on these important issues, you can conduct really expensive surveys or you can just use Constant Contact. Right now, head on over to constantcontact.com. I have used Constant Contact since I was 18 or 19 years old. I've used it for many, many years. It's a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with their customers, find new customers, and sell online all from one easy-to-use platform. So easy that even an 18-year-old little Michael can do it. It has helped lots of, I've used it on campaigns, I've used it in nonprofits, small businesses. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With a simple interface, Constant Contact's easy-to-use platform makes contact management easier than ever. Powerful automation tools help you send the right message to the right person at the right time every time. To start your free digital marketing trial today, visit constantcontact.com. Major story, speaking of transgenderism, speaking of these pulling on your heartstrings sort of social issues, major story out of Ukraine. Not the shelling of civilians in Kiev, not the fight of the Ukrainian people to stop Russian aggression. No, no, no. The story that Business Insider decided to focus on. How a transgender Ukrainian man escaped Russia's invasion. He, he, quote unquote, says, I painted my nails violet and wore mom's shirt to look more girly. So that's how he, now the transgender Ukrainian man escaped the invasion. And my first thought reading that headline, you read it kind of quickly, you say, hold on, why is a, a man escaping the invasion? The way that it works in Ukraine right now is that women and girls are allowed to leave. Women and children are allowed to leave. But the men have to stay in Ukraine. 
because the men are expected to fight for their country against Russian aggression. This is the right thing to do, and it happens to be the policy in Ukraine. So why is a man escaping the, the war? Why isn't he fight? Oh, right, because he's not a man. Because when they say transgender man, they mean a woman who is pretending to be a man, either because she's confused and believes because of some fantasy that she is actually a man, or because she just really wants to be a man and she isn't one, but she wants to pretend. Either way, she's being allowed to leave because she's a man, or because she's a woman, rather, and not actually a man. Now, she says she painted her nails violet and wore mom's shirt to look more girly. She doesn't need to do very much to look more girly. She's a girl. But what, what is so striking about this issue, and it, it, it just drives home everything we have said about the transgender craze, is we are told that transgender men are men. Transgender women are women. There's no distinction between a transgender man and a man or a transgender woman and a woman. I don't know why we have that extra adjective there beforehand because there's no difference whatsoever. They just gave uh, Richard Levine, who is the undersecretary of health, he's a man who believes that he's a woman, is the assistant secretary of health in America shows you the state of our country. He just won an award from some organization to name him one of the women of the year because he's a woman. You go girl, you get it, right? So this woman is a man until it's inconvenient to be a man. This woman is a man until she, pretending to be he, is asked to fight for her country to do one of the duties of being a man. And then all of a sudden, let's paint my nails and go to a slumber party because I'm a girl. Let's go get some Chardonnay on the weekend. And she, she flees the country. It, this is a problem with the transgender movement more broadly. And really, it's a problem with our society at the broadest level. We all want the privileges that other people have. We never want the duties that other people have. We always, we want to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want to do it. We, that is our view of liberation. And transgenderism at its core is a radical liberation movement, just like all movements from the left are radical liberation movements. Not just liberation from governments, that's how they began. Not just liberation from social convention, that's how it continued. But liberation from nature and biology itself. So it's this radical liberation movement, and we believe to be truly free, you need to be able to do whatever you want to do in our culture. But this liberation never involves taking on responsibilities, taking on duty. This is, I think this is probably the biggest distinction between the leftist and liberal view of the world and the conservative view of the world. The liberal and leftist view of the world looks at the world primarily from a perspective of rights and entitlement. And on the more radical left end, it's entitlement to things, positive rights, my entitlement to enter into the women's bathroom if I'm really a man, my entitlement to some healthcare service, my entitlement to your money and your labor. And, and on the more modest side of it, it's my entitlement, my right from aggression, my right to life, liberty, and property, the negative rights, right? It's all just rights, 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 rights. But on the conservative side, we look and we say, no, no, I'm not born primarily with rights. I am born primarily with duty and obligations. I'm born into a family. I'm a little baby boy. I'm born into a family. I have obligations to my family and to my community and to my country. And if you view the world that way, then you're going to stay and fight for your country. But if you adopt crazy ideologies, radical leftist ideologies like transgenderism, you're never going to look at, at the world like that. And so it's no surprise that this transgender man, also known as a confused woman, is fleeing at the first sign of trouble. Not so fun to be a man when the bullets are flying, is it? It's really fun to be a man when you get to sit around and smoke big cigars and sit in the executive suite and, right, that's really, that's when it's fun to be a man. When the bullets are flying and the women and children get to leave and the men have to stay, mm, then I think we'd rather paint our nails, right? But you can't have it that way. <laughs> you can't. The world is not only about rights and entitlement and fun and privilege. It's about duty and responsibility and loyalty to virtues that have been completely discarded in our modern leftist culture. Speaking of some of those virtues, I am unreasonably interested in the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Skeet Davidson drama. 
It's, I say it's unreasonable because I don't care at all about celebrity culture. I've listened to like three Kanye songs in my whole life. I don't really know what Pete Davidson does. And I certainly have never watched even three minutes of a Kardashian show. But I'm really focused on this because I think as goes the Kimye marriage, so goes our nation. So goes our culture. Skeet Davidson, the guy from Saturday Night Live, texted Kanye West over the weekend. And then he, like a little jerk, released the text messages from his phone. He says, yo, it's Skeet. Can you please take a second and calm down? It's 8 8 a.m. and it don't got to be like this. Kim is literally the best mother I've ever met. What she does for those kids is amazing. And you're so effing lucky that she's your kid's mom. This is so pathetic. What a, you know, I don't use these terms that are very popular in culture, like beta male and alpha male and all, but like, this is not alpha male kind of behavior. Okay. If we're going to, if we're going to use those terms anyway, not she, Hey, Hey, your wife that I'm shacking up with, she, she's a great mom. You're so lucky that you're actually, you're her husband and father of her children. And you're so lucky. And I'm going to tell you off because I'm just this little twerp that shimmied into her bed. So anyway, he goes and yells at Kanye. Kanye responds and goes, oh, you use in profanity. Where are you right now? And Skeet Davidson responds in bed with your wife. And then texts a picture of himself making a peace sign lying in Kanye's bed. Really gross behavior. Looks like a little demon. You know, he looks just like a little, he looks, yeah, not good. So Kanye responds. He says, happy to see you're out the hospital and rehab. Now, the the reason I mention these responses in this whole text exchange, Kanye, who we're told is crazy, he's erratic, he's behaving in a dangerous way, he's a harm to himself and others. Kanye West is showing remarkable patience here. Some dude texts you and yells at you. The dude who broke up your marriage, who's taking your wife away from you. Then he says, I'm lying in bed with your wife. And Kanye responds and he says very calmly, I'm glad to see you're out of rehab. He doesn't respond, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming over there right now. He says, oh, I'm glad you're out of rehab. That's actually showing a great deal of self-control and patience. Then then Davidson responds a few more times. He's like, you should try rehab. Wah, wah, wah. You're ruining your legacy. Wah, wah, wah. And then Kanye just responds. He goes, you're more than welcome to come to Sunday service. And, and Davidson doesn't want to go to Sunday service. Sunday service is Kanye's sort of kind of Christian musical event that he, he holds on Sundays. Pete Davidson goes, why don't we meet after Sunday service? I'll be at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We can have food and talk privately, one-on-one. Come on, let's do it privately. Kanye just says, you want to see me? Come to Sunday service. And then Davidson writes like 27 more text messages, whining and crying. Kanye is 100% right. Kim and Skeet are 100% wrong. And this matters. I know a lot of people say, well, who cares? We should all care. It's, it's just their marriage. That's their private business. No, marriage is not a private business. Marriage is very much a public business. Marriage is the bedrock political institution. When you get married, you do it in public. You go out, there's a priest, there's at least a justice of the peace. There are people there. You invite your friends and family. Even if you elope, there's a witness. There have to be, it has to be a public act. And when you go to get married, you make a vow, usually before God, but at least before the political community and say, I will stay with this person. I'm not going anywhere. And Kanye, I'm sure Kanye has made a thousand mistakes. Kim Kardashian's probably made a thousand mistakes. Pete Davidson is very clearly a mistake. But Kanye's saying, I want to bring my family back together. We've got four kids. Don't do this to the kids. Don't do this to our family. Let's go bring it back together. And Kim Kardashian says, no, she did a whole magazine spread. In my forties, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to pursue me. That's what I've got to do. No, she's wrong. Kanye is right. We are seeing here, not just a clash of two celebrities, three celebrities, if you include Skeet, we are seeing a clash of two views of the world. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I wouldn't have guessed I would say this five or six years ago. Kanye is representing the conservative, traditional view of marriage and society. Kim is representing the modern, terrible, liberal view. Kids are caught in the middle. Society's caught in the middle. Be on team Kanye. Do not be on team Skeet. Okay, we can't afford it. Now, when you want to afford good travel, I strongly recommend you check out Priceline. Right now, head on over to Priceline.com. Since 1998, 
Priceline has been the best way for travelers to book the trip that they want at the price they can afford. Priceline saves consumers more than $1 billion every year, billion with a B, so that their customers never have to miss the moments that matter. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels. You can also get exclusive deals on rental cars and flights. When you save more, you can do more. Get more, wow, this view is incredible. More, mm, another round of room service, please. More, booyah, I'm extending my vacation. Sorry, boss. Sorry, Ben. There are a few things that feel as good as knowing you saved money with the discounts Priceline offers. You get that feeling a lot because when you save more, you can enjoy more, you can do more. At Priceline, every trip is a big deal. Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book the next one, check out Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more wow, more mm, more booyah, just to name a few things out of it. We have got the first DW book coming up, the first real DW book, 12 Seconds in the Dark by Sergeant Mattingly. It's available now. The book is the true story of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor shooting. Take a listen to this trailer. It was very chaotic. It was very quick. Instantly, I knew I was shot. Breonna Taylor, she was caught in the crossfire of those bullets. As soon as your brain's registering, it's already over. The media got so many things wrong in this case, saying we had the wrong apartment. Her name wasn't on the warrant. She was shot and killed in her sleep, in her bed. These are lies. This is not true. And all the while, you're hearing all these outside influences from athletes and Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, all those people coming and attacking you, putting your name on their account saying he should be in prison. All these things that they have no idea what they're talking about, but they have such influence. The more we attack police for doing their job, the less good qualified police you're going to have. When you read 12 Seconds in the Dark, you will find out the truth of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor raid. The book is available now on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online, so go order your copy today. I can promise you it will sell out. Also, the premiere of our latest film, The Hyperions, was nothing short of phenomenal. It's streaming at dailywire.com, so if you're not a member yet, now is the time to join. Plus, if you join right now, you'll be entered to win the red carpet treatment with you and the cast and crew of Terror on the Prairie, starring Gina Carano. If you win, you'll get flown out to the red carpet premiere of Terror on the Prairie, where you will meet and greet the Daily Wire folks and the film's cast and crew. Two lucky members will each get two tickets and their hotel, flight, premiere car service, and exclusive merch all on us. Go to dailywire.com slash red carpet, sign up with code red carpet and be entered. Do not worry. If you're already a member, just head on over to dailywire.com slash red carpet to enter. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. Speaking of prominent spats between men and women in our public sphere, Tulsi Gabbard and Mitt Romney are having a bit of a tiff. As you might expect, Tulsi is right and Mitt is wrong. What is the tiff about? It's about something that we've talked a lot about on this show in the last couple of weeks. The bio labs in Ukraine that were funded and in part built by the United States, that the official story coming out of the United States deep state was these labs don't exist. Okay, they do exist, but we're not involved. Okay, they exist and we fund them and we built some of them, but it's just for ordinary scientific research. Okay, it's actually run by the military, but the pathogens that are being studied are, aren't really dangerous. Uh, okay, we're, they're actually extremely dangerous and we're terrified they're falling into Russian hands. So that's quite the evolution of the story. We called it out. And the minute that you mention any of this, the minute that you contradict the official narrative coming out of the American deep state, you're called a Putin stooge or a Xi Jinping stooge or anti-American or a traitor or whatever. You're just, you're just pointing out the facts on the ground that are, that even the state department is now admitting is true. So Tulsi Gabbard made the huge mistake of talking about something that we know exists. Here are the undeniable facts. There are 25 to 30 U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine. According to the U.S. government, these biolabs are conducting research on dangerous pathogens. Ukraine is in an active war zone with widespread bombing, artillery, and shelling. And these facilities, even in the best of circumstances, could easily be compromised 
and release these deadly pathogens. Now, like COVID, these pathogens know no borders. If they are inadvertently or purposely breached or compromised, they will quickly spread all throughout Europe, the United States, and the rest of the world, causing untold suffering and death. So in order to protect the American people, the people of Europe, the people around the world, these labs need to be shut down immediately, and the pathogens that they hold need to be destroyed. Did you hear anything wrong with what she said? I didn't. The facts that she observed are undeniable at this point. We've, we've talked about it on this show. We've brought the documents from the State Department, from the Pentagon. The labs exist. The labs are studying dangerous pathogens. Both the State Department and the Pentagon now admit that that's the case. Do you disagree with her conclusion that we've got to secure the labs, that if these things break out after two years of a pandemic involving a virus that very likely came from a lab that coincidentally we were also funding, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, after dealing with that experience for two years, even if we hadn't dealt with it for two years, even if that hadn't happened, just knowing you've got dangerous pathogens that can, can run all the way around the world, obviously we need to shut down these labs. We need to secure them. They're in a war zone with Russian tanks rolling in. Do you, could you disagree with anything that she just said? Mitt Romney did. Mitt Romney tweeted out, quote, Tulsi Gabbard is parroting false Russian propaganda. Her treasonous lies may well cost lives. Now, Mitt Romney didn't have any follow-up tweets because he's completely full of it. He's saying it's false Russian propaganda to say that the U.S. was funding biolabs in Ukraine. There's nothing false about it. It is true that the Russians used the true existence of those biolabs as propaganda. The Chinese used it as propaganda too. But the very best propaganda has a basis in fact. And the fact is the U.S. military was funding these biolabs and is still funding these biolabs and has been since 2005. So that's just a fact. It's not, it's not false propaganda. It's a true fact. And Mitt Romney is calling this woman a traitor, an American service member, Tulsi Gabbard, and a former member of Congress calling her a traitor and a murderer for stating the truth. Mitt freaking Romney, somehow on the wrong side of almost every political issue he is involved in these days. And many in the past too. I, I really don't want to hear it from the squishes anymore that Mitt Romney is some kind of good guy. He's a good guy. You know, he might be a little liberal on some issues, but he, look, he's a good guy. He's an honorable man. He's a liar. He's an absolute liar. He has no integrity whatsoever. When he ran for Senate against Ted Kennedy in Boston, that was the first time he ran for Senate in Massachusetts. Then he moved to New Hampshire to run for president. Then he moved to Utah because he lost both of those races. So he moved to Utah so he could finally become a Senator. But when he was running for Senate in, in Massachusetts, he was going up against Teddy Kennedy. He was asked, he, was, he said he was very, very pro-choice, right? Forget about those little babies. Those little babies don't matter. He was trying to enter the United States Senate. And then he was even asked about the legacy of Ronald Reagan. This is the easiest layup. This is such a gimme for conservatives. If conservatives want to get elected in a mainstream way, all you have to do is say, I like Ronald Reagan. I'm going to be the next Ronald Reagan. And he couldn't even do that. During, during his 1994 Senate race. He said, I, I wasn't a Republican during the time of Reagan. I, I was an independent during the time of Reagan. I don't want to be anything like Reagan. And then what? He runs for president. He says, I'm the, I'm the reincarnation of Ronald Reagan. He's just a putz. He's just an absolute rudderless, completely integrity lacking putz. Okay. And he's going after this woman, Tulsi Gabbard, for telling the truth. It's disgusting kind of stuff. And it makes you wonder, what degree of freedom of speech do we have in this country anymore? What degree, forget freedom of the press, even just freedom, basic freedom of speech for a service member and former member of Congress to come out and say, these biolabs exist. This is a real threat. It was kind of covered up by the government. Now they're admitting it's true. And it really changes the calculation in this war in Ukraine. And we've got to be careful about it. And the minute you make that obvious, modest, true point, you get this guy, Mitt Romney, to come after you and say you're a traitor and you're a liar and you're a Putin stooge. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Mitt Romney is no different than those cackling hens on The View, as far as I'm concerned. And, and you saw The View make the same point just, just the other day. Anna Navarro, who's the fake Republican on The View, she is uh, one of the hens. She, she was on the show and she said that people such as Tulsi Gabbard or Tucker Carlson, or anyone who raises any questions about the official narrative coming out of the State Department and the Pentagon regarding United States involvement in Ukraine, they should be investigated and prosecuted by the DOJ. 
And I think DOJ, in the same way that it is uh, setting up a task force to investigate oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists and shilling for Putin. That's being, if you are a foreign asset uh, to a dictator, mm-hmm. it should be investigated. You're a foreign asset to a dictator if you just read documents from the State Department website. You're a foreign asset to a dictator if you point out that it would be bad if uh, the Ukrainian biolabs that we were funding released botulism and anthrax. You're just a foreign, you should be prosecuted. That's how we stand up to Putin, is we imprison political dissidents for telling the truth. That, that'll show Putin, you see, because Putin, he's a really bad autocrat and he goes after his opponents and he'll kill them and he'll certainly imprison his political opponents. And so the, the way that we've got to fight that is by imprisoning our political opponents. Does that make sense? Sure. It makes sense on the view. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And that's what, that's just the logical conclusion of what Mitt Romney is saying. Mitt, Mitt Romney is actually, frankly, going further than Anna Navarro. Anna Navarro is just saying the DOJ should investigate and look into this. Mitt Romney is accusing Tulsi Gabbard of treason. You can hang for treason. He's saying this woman has committed a capital offense. Disgusting. Really makes you wonder. Really makes you wonder. I I still think that on the world stage, we're relatively the good guys. (laughs) Okay. And we are fighting relatively the bad guys. But when Romney says stuff like this, when, when Anna Navarro says stuff like this, it really does make you think, how, how much longer are we, are we still the good guys? Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies by chance? And if we are still the good guys, which I think, and I hope that we are, how much longer are we going to be able to keep that up with people like Navarro and Mitt Romney? This war is something that the Romneys and the Navarros of the world are taking really lightly. You know, you just change your profile picture, put up the Ukraine flag, and just do everything to antagonize Russia, a nuclear former superpower, and pretend that Ukraine is the battlefield for freedom on earth. It's the most Western democracy, most pristine government on earth. It's so central to the West's identity. And, and then it'll be, and there's no cost to anything, right? There would be no cost to antagonizing Russia. Well, we we right now have the UN Secretary General saying that for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, nuclear war is a real possibility. Further escalation of the war, whether by accident or design, threatens all of humanity. Raising the alert of Russian nuclear forces is a bone-chilling development. The prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. The security and safety of nuclear facilities must also be preserved. It's time to stop the horror unleashed on the people of Ukraine and get on the path of diplomacy and peace. That is a chilling prospect, as the UN Secretary General says. Putin has threatened nuclear war. Would he go through with it? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think that he's going to launch Armageddon, but would he use a tactical nuke in Ukraine? Maybe. Maybe he would. I think the chances of that are actually relatively pretty high. That changes the nature of warfare. As we've said on this show, world wars have started for less. And it doesn't make you team Putin to urge a little caution here. And to tell people who three weeks ago could not have pointed out Kiev on a map that maybe they've got to be a little more circumspect here and maybe they need a little bit more information and maybe they need to be able to ascertain what exactly is going on in this situation before we just call for aggression and aggression and aggression without knowing what the next step is going to be. We call for canceling Russia, right? We, we, all the corporations in the world have basically canceled Russia. The economy is destroyed. We even went after their central bank. This is an unprecedented tactic in modern warfare. Well, what's the effect of that going to be? You, you would hope that the effect is Putin backs down. He pulls out of Ukraine. Ukraine gets to remain a sovereign country. And that's that, that would be that that's the best intention outcome. What's the real outcome? Putin's threatening to nationalize businesses and recreate the Soviet union. And it doesn't seem to be hindering him in any way on the battlefield. If anything, it seems to be prolonging things on the battlefield in Ukraine. 
But we had good intentions, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. But Mitt Romney, he's got good intentions. Anna Navarro, they've got good intentions. Tulsi Gabbard, she's a Putin stooge. I think Tulsi Gabbard is exhibiting much better judgment here than someone like Romney, who's offering all the preening, all the virtue signaling, and none of the actual solutions. By the way, by the way, a lot of this surrounds the question of NATO. Will Ukraine join NATO? Will Ukraine join the EU? Before 2013, 2014, Ukraine was a neutral country. Then after the government was overthrown in 2013, 2014, Ukraine moved much more toward the West and they wanted to join the European Union and they wanted to join NATO. And Russia didn't like that very much. And then Russia invaded Crimea. Then Ukraine, all the more so, sort of naturally wanted to join NATO and the EU. Their country's partially invaded. They realize that Russian aggression is a very real threat, but this escalates in the EU and NATO. They, they play coy and they play flirtatious and, oh, maybe you can join us. Maybe you can join us. And so what happens? Vladimir Putin says, I'm not going to accept that. And he invades the country. So the war, the war is Putin's fault, but it was mis, mismanaged. The hand was misplayed by a West that never really wanted to accept Ukraine in the first place. And Zelensky just realized that. Zelensky just realized he got played. He just came out the other day, just yesterday actually, and said, regarding NATO, I've cooled down regarding this question long ago after we understood that NATO is not prepared to accept Ukraine. He said this to ABC News in an interview. The alliance is afraid of controversial things and confrontation with Russia. I never wanted to be a country which is begging something on its knees. We are not going to be that country and I don't want to be that president. So he's saying, oh, right, NATO never wanted us in the first place, which is something that I've pointed out for a long time, a lot of conservatives pointed out, they said, look, NATO is not going to accept Ukraine. They actually can't accept Ukraine, certainly since 20, 2014, so, or certainly since the Russian invasion of Crimea, I'll be more specific. Because if a, a foreign country is occupying a nation that then joins NATO, that automatically triggers the NATO alliance to go into effect and declare war on the country that was invading the country that was just admitted. So the minute that Ukraine joins NATO, you get World War III. By, by definition. So it couldn't happen. It was never going to happen. We just sort of played with, toyed with Ukraine and said, oh, maybe it will. And so they, contrary to, I think, their security interests, pl played really cozy with the West. And now they're in this major war and it's going on and on and on. A little bit of knowledge, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of prudence and caution probably could have stopped a lot of this. Zelensky just the other day, pointed out that Joe Biden is most directly responsible for the Russian invasion. After Vladimir Putin, who, who bears all the responsibility, after him, Joe Biden is the most responsible. Zelensky said, as we've mentioned on this show, you know I hate to say I told you so. Zelensky said that if Joe Biden had not taken the sanctions off Russia, specifically off that Russian pipeline, Nord Stream 2, to go straight to Europe, Russia would not have invaded. And then what happens? Biden takes the sanctions off Russia in the pipeline. Russia invades. A little bit of caution, a little bit of prudence, a little bit of nuance would have gone a long way. And Joe Biden is absolutely sick of people blaming him for high gas prices and for inflation. They want, he wants everyone to blame Putin. The second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. And Putin began amassing troops along the border. And guess what? The world took notice. And those of you who work in the business know that the market anticipated. Prices went up more. And then Putin invaded. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I love, you know, the Republicans saying it's Biden's gas pipeline. Biden said he's going to stop the Keystone Pipeline, and I did. And that's the reason prices went up. Folks, let's get something straight here. The Keystone Pipeline was two years away. It had been 2% finished. Give me a break. Come on, give me a break, give me a break. So, Joe, with due respect, please, would you give me a break? What he's saying is that gas prices only went up because Putin was threatening to invade Ukraine. Now, he's being clever here. He's not saying it goes from the moment that Putin did invade Ukraine because gas prices were already going up long before that. But he's saying before, right when Putin was amassing the troops, the market, the market was pricing in that Putin could invade Ukraine. And that's why gas prices went up. Half true, half a distraction. 
gas prices had been going up for much longer than Putin amassing troops on the border. Gas prices had been going up for Joe Biden's entire presidency. They certainly spiked because of the Putin invasion, but they had been going up a lot longer than that. Inflation had been going up a lot longer than that. Why? Well, you explained it, Joe. You said that the Putin didn't need to invade for the prices to go up because the market was pricing it in. So why were gas prices and other prices going up after Biden entered office? Because the market was pricing it in. Joe Biden says, well, the Keystone pipeline was two years out from being operational. So what effect would that have on prices? The effect is the market was pricing it in. And it wasn't just the Keystone pipeline. Yes, Joe Biden on his first day in office shuts down this major pipeline that would have improved the American energy sector. But he also put an end to new oil and gas leases. He put a temporary halt on them. Now he's got an indefinite halt on them. So what's that going to do to energy prices in America? They're going to go up. But those new gas leases, they, they were new. So they hadn't, it's not as though there was drilling going on and then Biden shut them down. Right. But what Biden was saying is no new oil, no new gas. And so the market priced it in. His own logic undercuts his argument here. Joe Biden bears responsibility for the high gas prices. Joe Biden bears responsibility for inflation. By the way, it's not only gas that's causing inflation. Printing lots and lots of money has to do with inflation too. Joe Biden knows this. He's trying to blame everything on Putin. Putin ain't my homework. The buck stops with Putin. Uh, It's not persuasive at all. And so the White House can't make a sound argument on this, economic or political or otherwise. So they've got to rope in TikTokers to try to push their propaganda for them. Why is gas so expensive and why is the United States inflation rate at a four-time decade high? I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7 and here's what they said. The obvious reason we're getting out of a two-year pandemic, when use goes up, price goes up. But the call was predominantly about Ukraine and Russia, so how does that relate? Russia is one of the top three producers of oil and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. So with people being scared of war and limited resources, prices are bound to go up as well. For the people who can't pay $7 for a gallon of gas, there's an app called Gas Buddy that shows you the cheapest gas near you, as well as a link in my bio to donate to the misplaced refugees of Ukraine. I think it's a pretty bad look at a time when the United States is focusing on Russian propaganda and Chinese propaganda, and we're banning the Russian and the Chinese propaganda from a lot of our airwaves, I think it's probably a bad look to so transparently push our own propaganda, the White House propaganda, through these TikTokers. The the one good thing you can say about it is that we are much worse at propaganda than the Chinese and the Russians are. (laughs) You know, the Soviet Union, they were some, truly some of the masters of agitprop and propaganda in the history of the world. China's been very good at it too. And the best Joe Biden can muster is some lady on TikTok, some lady who I don't think is particularly expert in political economies. She, she goes out there and says, you know, like, and I talked to the White House today. She doesn't even hide it. You know, the White House had all of us TikTokers on and told us what talking points to push. So those are my talking points. And Biden's good. So the, the, the one thing that can make you believe there's some hope for America is our ruling class is so incompetent. Joe Biden is so incompetent that when they push their propaganda, it's absolutely transparent. Speaking of economic problems, I have to get to this story today before we go. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, you know, he's most famous for disrespecting the American flag The next thing he's most famous for is being okay at football, but he's most famous for disrespecting the American flag, calling America a terrible racist, a horrible place, disrespecting the founding fathers. So Colin Kaepernick is begging to play in the NFL again. He says, for the past five years, I've been working out and staying ready in case an opportunity to play presented itself. I'm really grateful to my trainer who I've been throwing to all this time, but man, do I miss throwing a professional route runners? Who's working? I will pull up. Now this is really strange because a few months ago, Colin Kaepernick released a video in which he said that playing for the NFL is like 
being a slave on a plantation in the Old South. And he compared tryouts in the NFL to slaves going up at auction. And then the rich white owners come by and decide which one of these burly black men they want to purchase to to make money off of. It's just like, it's like playing. And at the time, I said, it's a little weird that Colin Kaepernick, who has spent every minute of the last five years trying to get back in the NFL, would say that working for the NFL is like being a slave. And now we see it again. It would seem that argument too, completely bogus, absolutely no integrity, no sincerity at all. We've just got a disgruntled former employee who's willing to tear down the country, the, the league in the country that gave him so much because he feels personally jilted by it because he, he didn't quite make the cut. That is, that is what we're looking at here, okay? That is, that is a social and political breakdown that, one, makes it very hard to project American power overseas because we've got so much discord here at home, a total upending of our American way of life, of our sense of rights, and more importantly, of our sense of duties, okay? We're all so wrapped up in our own myopia. We're all, we're all so wrapped up, not even just in our own preferences and interests, but in our own fantasies, our own delusions. We've got people running away from their country because they're, they're women who pretend to be men who want to be women at the first chance of danger, okay? Well, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package indeed. Maybe focus on duty. Maybe focus on anything outside of you. You will live a better life. We will have a better country. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, protesters made a scene at my Georgia Tech speech last night, though further investigation indicates that they didn't know exactly why they were there or what they were mad about. No surprise, I suppose. Also, the White House debriefed TikTok stars on the Ukraine, the Ukraine situation, and now those influencers are dutifully repeating the government propaganda assigned to them. Plus, some parents are upset about the new Pixar film, claiming that it's not appropriate for children. We'll take a look at their complaints and see if they're justified. And an NBA player complains that insults and heckling from fans is causing him mental pain and anguish. Now, we've heard the same thing from a number of female athletes, though the public reaction is quite a bit different. And we'll try to figure out why that could be the case. And what exactly is public health equity? Well, it's more than a jobs program for bureaucrats, though it's mainly that. But it's more than that as well. We'll discuss that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.